This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 104 of the Hooniverse podcast. I am your esteemed co-host Blake Z Ron. I don't have a. I love that you couldn't even. I don't have a special one this week. Blake 240 Z Ron, and for reasons I'll get into later. No, I didn't buy one yet. But um, I'm here with Chris Hayes. Jeff Glucker is nursing his hangover after landing business class off the A380 at LAX. Probably right around now. I think he's stuck in customs. Jeff, if you can hear us, please hide the cocaine even further up. Thank you. (laughs) And um, we're also here with Matt D'Andrea of CarCast. Hi. And a certain movie that you'd like to tell us about. Yes. Of course, everyone out there probably already knows it. Everyone who listens to this podcast anyway. Oh, well, then that's great, because if people know about the film, then I've been doing my job and getting the word out <laughs> well, there. Yeah. Especially, well, the Hooniverse, <laughs> the Hooniverse is right in the wheelhouse for that show, for, yeah. for your movie. I mean, it's it's a lot of classic car and classic racing junkies, you know. This is, if you're going to try and reach out to anybody, this is about as optimal as it's going to be. Yeah, so the movie's called Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman, and as it, it is a feature-length documentary about uh, about Paul Newman's racing career. Probably the longest movie with Paul Newman in it where Paul Newman didn't get paid. <laughs> That's true. Good for us, though, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Nobody else is coming out with a movie this year that has Paul Newman as its that, star. That is true. This is <laughs> technically Paul Newman's last film. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, um, you know, you were kind enough to come down to the Peterson last week, and you showed all of us Peterson people uh, the film, and it was – I loved it. I, I well, really, you. really liked it. Um, first of all, it got me even more jazzed about Datsuns and Z cars and through to ZXs. You Z31s. weren't already? No, I, I totally was. <laughs> That's the thing. But then I saw this and I was like, yes, yes, I totally need one in my life right now. Yeah. And um, second of all, you know, it's got a great arc to it. You know, it's got the whole like, yeah, Paul Newman was Paul, Paul Newman was rich and he could totally go racing if he wanted to. But he, you know, he did it like kind of where no one else really knew about it he didn't brag about it he seemed very humble and then he just happened to be really really good at it yeah but he didn't really like pay for those teams and stuff you know so um a lot of the footage that you see in the film where it looks like he's hosting something at the track he'd walk up and be like hi i'm paul newman and he goes and we're racing whatever that's those are commercials and stuff that he either used to pitch sponsors or he made with sponsors as part of the deal. So he went out and funded money, you know, funded to raise money, uh, you know, just like anybody else in racing does today. So he was, he was the world's greatest gentleman racer. Yeah. Yeah, he is next to Alberto Ascari. Yeah. And look, to to be, to be clear, he was no hack. I mean, the dude has four national championships. He went to Le Mans. (laughs) He placed second overall at Le Mans. Yes. Okay. So he played, he he, (laughs) He's second overall and first in his class. Right. And then I was just watching the movie again today, and John Morton, who's a professional race car driver, Mm -hmm. was talking about him going to Le Mans like, I don't know, four times or six times or something. And I think the highest he ever placed was third. Right. So Paul Newman's outing so far has been better 
than John Morton's. It's been better than Patrick Dempsey's. Yeah. And and Patrick's a great driver. He's a great driver. The funny thing, everybody always draws that comparison. I'm like, Patrick Dempsey is a very nice man. He's a great driver. He has not had the career that Paul Newman had. It is not quite no, the same. No, but, yeah. but Newman raced for 35 years. Yep. Although, I think he, what year was his Lamar? 79? 79, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so Newman had been racing only about 10 years. He did the film Winning in 1969, right. and that's what got him into racing. He trained for the film. He trained with Bob Bondurant to learn how to drive for the film. The sake of our lunch tray over the, over the yeah, door there. Yes. And, uh, and then from there, he started uh, teaming up with Bob Sharp and started racing his Datsuns. Datsuns. This is, this is a zap. And uh, and then ten years later, he's he you know he wins his class in Le Mans. And he yeah. was <laughs> how, how old was he when he did winning? Because you know you make a good point in the movie that he was supposedly past his prime. Of he started racing when he was forty seven. Yeah, so that is mind boggling. Yeah, that's that, great. That is yeah. for all of us. I remember I was at the um, Mazda does a uh, club racer shootout every year where they get the best and the brightest from all these uh, SECA and national, uh, you know, NASA programs and everything. You know, young kids, like 16, 18-year-old kids who are about to go into engineering school. I remember one year they had a dude who was uh, probably mid-40s, and he started racing at 25, and he made it all the way to this club racer shootout where it's like thousands of people across the country, and you pick, and they pick six people who are the fastest and the most well Polished to go for a spot at a professional racing spot with Mazda, and this guy has started racing at 25, and I was like 25 at the time, and I was like, "Great, I can start now." Yeah, I still haven't started. Still haven't started. Well, I think there's really only sorry, you got time. You, you only really have like two of the really big series that you can't, that you really can't get into unless you started as a kid, and that's F1 and MotoGP. Right. I think the other series, and maybe Indy's probably there too, but like every other series, I mean. So long as you can get in and out of the car and your reflexes are pretty good, I don't know what it really matters how old you are. Well, That's I mean, true. I think I think the politics are different now than it was back then when Newman was racing. Probably for the right amount of money, anybody can race anything. Oh well, yeah, they want to bring their money into <laughs> these days. Right? You know, yeah. right. like Chris, you want to race F one? Let's hope you don't suck. But for the right amount of money, you could probably pull it off. <laughs> what does the team cost? Two hundred million. Yeah, probably so. On the low end, you know, entry level. Let's say you're a beginner F1 team. Yeah. You know, you can go right from your Fiesta ST to F1. Okay, perfect. It only going to cost you two hundred. And you're going to be better than the Japanese dude who got ran over by the safety car. You'll be better than that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ouch! <laughs> right. But actually, the fun part is, you know, when you when you race for thirty five years like Paul did, and then eventually you get to be race team manager, and that's where the fun is. That's where the real money is. Well, yeah. So he <laughs> he raced for thirty five years. He has four national championships as a driver, but he also has eight championships as a team owner for the mm-hmm. Newman Haas team, and I think they won. For well, under the Newman Haas umbrella, I think they won 108 races and eight championships. Yeah, Sebastian Bourdais won four IndyCar championships in a row for the Newman Haas team. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm not that's sure anybody insane. else has yeah. done that. Yeah, I think I think he's the only one that has yeah. four. I don't even think Andretti is not. Yeah, and yeah. The other well, guy, Andretti well, was part of that team. That's early true. on. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't. He doesn't even have a record of four in a row like that. I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody has four in a row no. like that. No. The other good Which point you impressive. make in that movie is that, you know, he didn't get off racing Ferraris. He didn't start racing Ferraris. He started, you know, at these Datsuns, these little five yeah. tens and everything. And then he went all the way up to – and he stuck with Nissan. Like, yeah, that was his thing. His career. He, he started small and worked his way up. He did race a Porsche a 930 Turbo at Le Mans. Right. 
and I think he was in like a TR6 at uh, some early SCCA racing, but mostly he was in the Datsuns. I think he started in his 510 yeah, and worked his way up. And then in Trans Am, he had his big 280ZX twin turbo car that's like 940 horsepower. Yeah. Which I don't even like the Z cars. That's a cool fucking car. Adam Cole really, owns that like car. You don't like any Z cars? I've seen, you, that. I've seen yeah. that car. Chris, you don't like any Z cars or you don't like the 280ZX? Uh, that was just mostly he said he didn't like you. That's yeah, what it was. That's, that's like, really like, what it is. <laughs> any car any car Blake likes, I don't like. Chris uh, Anything, you know, <laughs> yeah. 240, uh, 240s are a very pretty car. I get yeah. no problem with those, but they get kind of weird there for a long time. You um, mean by the 280ZX, the awesome 280ZX. Yeah. And then the 300ZX, the first one is, it's it's a tough car to love. I have a w- strange appreciation for it because I appreciate it as being like a weird 80s thing. But well, at the same time, the 80s were also terrible. Well, I, like I've said, anytime it's got, you know, superfluous vacuum tubes, you're going to love it. Oh yeah, I mean it's just it's you get extra it. extra vacuum for everything. It's mm, that's right up your that alley. Hissing noise, and I'm driving. Yes, love it. <laughs> okay. Well, Chris doesn't appreciate old cars uh, as um as some other people on the podcast do. I'm I like which old is cars. you know I'm you're not you're not going to disagree with, with that. No, no, no. I you guys have a much bigger thing for old right. cars than I you do. You know, Jeff is going to work on his Hoon truck, and I'm going to continue looking up weird cars on Craigslist all day. And uh, that's just the sort of niches we follow. What's into. your jam, Chris? You got like you got like a muscle car fetish? No, that's the thing is I'm kind of all over the place. I like some muscle cars. You know, I, I there was a Nova trade down the street from me the other day that was real clean that was for sale. And I'm like, I wonder what he's asking for it. And then I just keep driving by because I'm like, I don't need to spend any more money. Uh, but then it's need. Same time, I mean, come on, need. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, I've got the Fiesta out front. Mm-hmm. My other car is the Vet, which I drove for the first time in like three months yesterday. Yeah, I forgot how ungodly loud that thing is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and you know, I like I like my fair amount of German stuff and. I like some quirky Italian stuff, too, but I'm really all over the map. It's just, like, whatever strokes me. I mean... The, I guess you kind of have to be, like, for, for the business that you're in. Yeah. I mean, well, you get it because you get Otherwise to drive... Otherwise, the show every- would suck if you just talked about Dotsons all the time like Adam Crowley does. <laughs> <laughs> but you get it. I mean, you get to drive everything, too. Yeah. Where it's just, like... You, it gets kind of predictable. I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like you can look at most cars and kind of go, I think it's probably going to be like this one that I drove before. And most of the time now with the experience that we've had, you're usually yeah. kind of right. Although sometimes it's nice to be surprised. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I pick up a car. Like, for example, there's a there's a car, you know, not to trash it, but there's a car that I'm driving now that when they delivered it to me, I'm like, I, getting into it, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate it. Yeah. And then it turned out I like it way better than I thought I would. Yeah, that car, I, I've i never been a fan of that platform. Yeah. And then, I mean, because it's your show, not mine. I'll just tell you it's a Charger Hellcat. Yeah. Well, and, uh, let me, and yeah. I, you know, I just I just get into it, and I'm like, oh, it's going to feel like a taxi cab and a plastic dash with that weird foam rubbery stuff on the dash and lots of plastic. And, and then I started driving, and I was like, it's actually a very comfortable car. It's, like, the seats are great. Suspension's great. It's shocking to me how they turned that car around without a complete refresh of the platform. Yeah. I mean, it went from really, you know, taxi cab rental car status when that thing first started coming oh, out. Oh, yeah. In, that, in this generation of it. And then now you get into a Hellcat, and you're like, 
Holy shit, this is a freaking I remember, dodge. I remember I got, driving the... Uh, sorry to cut you off there, but I just wanted to mention that I remember driving the Challenger Hellcat, and you know there was a dodge program in the canyons, and I remember taking that on the canyon road, and I was like expecting it to completely suck. But no, it was great. You know, you go into a corner way too fast, and you stomp on the throttle, and the re- entire rear end rotates, and that's how you take corners. Yeah. I kind of like the Charger better than I like the Challenger. Yeah, there's something about it. Just that much power in a, you know... And big, big quotes here, sensible sedan. Well, that's the thing. I just think it's a more functional car. I just like that as a more functional car. But I'm, and honestly, I was driving down the street for the past few days. I've been mm-hmm. driving this car around, and more people have either taken photos of the car and given me a thumbs up, more people in the Charger than in the Challenger. Yeah, the Challenger is a little bit too celebratory of itself. It's That's a great right way to put it. Is, is the Charger Hellcat even out like for sale yet? I haven't seen any. But then again, I haven't seen any Hellcat on the I, I've seen a few. I don't I haven't seen – there's not a lot of them. They are – but those might have been journalist cars too. I I've mean, seen – It's hard for me to know because I live right by El Segundo where there's a bunch of other journalists. Yeah. So it's, it's – I don't know what's real and what's They not. have their camp over there. Right. Yes. They live there. A little enclave. I've seen yeah. more Porsche 918s than I have Hellcats on the road. Okay. As in two. I want to go where you hang out. Redondo Beach. Actually, I saw one leaving the podcast after going to Chris's place once. All right. Well, it's Chris Palace. lives where there's 918s. I love that. Yeah. The, the, uh, there, it's Palace Verdes is about uh, a quarter mile down the street, and that accounts for the cars that are there. Uh, one of my neighbors has yeah. a black LFA, uh, and I'm very jealous of that. I was driving down the street the other day, and uh, I was in the Charger Hellcat, and I had couple people in the car with me mm-hmm. and a guy i knew just randomly in north hollywood pulls up next to me in an audi r8 <laughs> and uh and hey, just buddy, for fun we retailing that thing we just we both hammer it yeah and the charger with all these people and it just smokes the r8 oh, yeah. just smoke and then he pulls up and he's like it's so loud oh my god it's yeah. so loud yeah it's it's an animal that car and the z06 are so Oh, I love the Z06, man. When I drove the Z06, it's kind of a weird thing. I'm not, I'm not a big Corvette guy myself, yeah. but and I know, I know you guys are. So I don't know. Maybe you'll appreciate this. But I was saying on uh, on Carcast, I was saying that uh, if you're a Corvette guy. You already love the Z06 before it came out. Just on paper, for what it stands for, you love the Z06. You know what it is? Is It's guys that like the Corvette for its capability, not yeah. for their gold chain appeal. Right. Love Skullet, the new Z06. Right. The guys, <laughs> that, the guys that are doing the Scullet and yeah. all that stuff with the bad Hawaiian shirt hate the new Vets. Okay, but... Unless the, it's an automatic convertible. The guys that love the performance. Yeah. If you're a Corvette guy, you love that car before it came out, but... If you're not a Corvette guy, I say drive the CO, the Z06 because that's the car that's going to convert you. Yeah, it's it's stupid. I haven't I haven't got any seat time in it, but I mean I can already tell it's stupid fast. It, it but spent, it's fun to drive and I mean, it's cool and it I does the, all the right things. I love the regular Corvette. I haven't driven the new Z06. Yeah, the yet. C7 is cool, but yeah. but if you're not a Corvette guy, the C7 isn't going to win you over. No. Z06 is going to win you over. I drove the ZR1 and it was cool, mm-hmm. but it felt like a fast Corvette. The Z06 to me is different. It feels world class to me. It does. Yeah, that's yeah. a really great way to put it. Yeah, it's a, it's you know it's a they got their second crack at it basically. Yeah. You know, C7 was the new generation. But the interesting thing is, is at this point, you know, with 650 horsepower on tap, and you've got a front engine, and you know you you got your transfer, you got your 
transmission sitting in the rear, yeah. you're still running into major traction problems. So Okay, but there's a level of fun to it. So I yeah. drove back-to-back. I drove Nissan GTR Nismo. Mm-hmm. Personally, Very, personally, I like for Blake's sake, I like to call it the Datsun GTR. Thank you, man. <laughs> the Datsun GTR Nismo. The, not the fair lady. And whatever it is, 0 to 16, <laughs> like 2.9, right? Yeah. And that car is incredibly fast, and I love that car, but it's so easy to drive with yeah. the all-wheel drive and all mm-hmm. of its electronic nannies. Actually, that car on the Nismo di- edition specifically, the suspension's a little rough. You know, you could probably oh, go yeah. with one of their touring cars or something. I mean, where, even in the regular GTR, it's yeah. a little... It's a it little it always has been. Yeah. And I know they've revised it over the years and it's better. But it's so easy to drive and to drive fast, that car. It takes a little bit of that that scariness, that passion mm-hmm. out of it. So I drove that. And then right back to back, I drove the Z06. The Z06. Yeah. And that car just being able to just get squirrely and, and sideways. And it's... I mean, you've got to be... A little bit more of that muscle car fan, yeah. But it felt like you'd go slower. Now that car is still two point nine. They're both like two point nine zero to sixty. It's yeah. not like one car is really that much faster. It's just than one the other. car dead hooks and the other one leaves three hundred feet of rubber strips. Yeah, but here's the thing: is is but the Corvette yeah. at you know going going zero to sixty in half the time of the GTR by just putting half throttle in it sounds like it's going three times as fast. <laughs> like it's it's just it's screaming and yelling at you and it's getting a little sideways and everybody's looking and it, and it makes it so much fun. You know, the GTR is an awesome car. Mm-hmm. But the Z06 is is the more fun, more emotional car of of those two. When you're looking at a hundred grand, hundred and nine grand I mean the the Nismo edition is 150 grand. So yeah, if I was you just say, say if you take a GTR still, at yeah. 110 or something, and then you take a Z06 loaded up with a couple, you know, the carbon fiber bits. The one I drove was like 109, similar in price, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even though a Z06 can start at like 80 something, and and nobody's you know, gonna buy yeah. a Z06 at 80. You know, something. I, I I I'm sure you can nitpick on the prices, but. You could cross shop, I think, a Z06 and a, Is that and a, what it and a GTR. Is Z06 starts at 80? It doesn't start at 80, does like it? 85, 87, something really? like that. That is, that is interesting because that's Cayman GT4 territory. That starts at 74, and yeah. you know you add like any option to it, and it's boom, $90,000 or something. But yeah, we're so, talking I mean, about the difference between a scalpel and a chainsaw in that case, though. Right. Yeah, that's true. but uh, you know, I, not that I'm saying I'm not saying I love what the GT4 yeah. represents I love on it paper. On, I love it on paper, exactly. Yeah, uh, but and I'd love to drive it, but you know, it's Porsche. I'd be like, hey man, get one of those in your press fleet. Like, eh, maybe. Yeah, West Coast <laughs> Porsche, you're not getting any. Yeah, maybe. Nope. Like, we'll let Chris Harris drive it around for a while, but the rest of you guys, fuck off. I got a I got a nine I got a nine eleven base. No, the guys model. at Porsche are really nice to us, but I got a nine eleven base model, no options with a stick once. That was awesome. That was the week I lo- I lost my wallet and I was waiting for it to get mailed back for me and I had to hypermile it to button willow and back. <laughs> Jesus. I don't think I've ever heard the term nine eleven and hypermiling. Before. I got thirty miles yeah. per gallon of that thing. Thirty point seven miles. That doesn't look that's, me. Look, it's seven speed gearbox. It's a it's a fairly lightweight aerodynamic yeah. six cylinder. Why wouldn't you get thirty miles a gallon? Yeah, surprisingly, yeah. you can. You know what's <laughs> what's funny is is I I call the guys at Porsche and I was like, dude, I need a GT three for the show, mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, we just don't have anything to give you. So you know, I just I just you know I I didn't want to piss off Porsche, so I was like, hey, well, what if I just call a friend who has one? 
can we just represent Porsche and just say this is the car? They're like, yeah, sure, that's fine. So we just call oh, the buddy. Oh, you mean they didn't pull a Ferrari? No. Yeah. No. And and I know it sounds weird. Like, if you're just listening, you're like, why would Porsche get mad? It's your show. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you could borrow somebody's car, put it on your show, essentially represent the brand of that car. And uh, they'd be like, that's not the car I wanted on your show. That's not the color I wanted. Those aren't the options I wanted. And you're on the black you know, list. Yeah, you tested something, over. and it didn't perform as well because it didn't have the right air pressure. And you know, Well, it's I mean, like, there are two brands that are famous for that on performance tests, and that's, that's Nissan and Ferrari. They always want to send their engineers out to the track with their special tires they brought for that day and get it tuned exactly for that experience. And... Yeah, sometimes. I mean, Nissan's nowhere near as picky as Ferrari is, but well, you know, Nissan's always been pretty good to us, and obviously, we just we just did a giant film with Paul yeah. Newman in yeah. it, and Robert Redford, and You're Jay Leno, and Patrick right now. and Patrick Dempsey. So, um, and and, uh, and Nissan really loves that film because from so Nissan, I think, is just trying to get into. Um, into their motorsports history, which they never really had. Like, I think they're just putting together a museum they, now. Yeah, they used and, to. They used to be the yeah. Mazda of their time when they, you know, they sponsored all these races and they had all this great competition parts catalog for uh, people racing 240Zs and Dats and 510s and everything. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of gave it up in the 80s. By the time the 80s rolled around, they were like, oh, we're going to hand this uh, torch over to Mazda. And now it's been the Miata for the last 20 well, years. And, and I think I think what they're what they're missing out on, which is, which is too bad, is... Is there's a great motorsports history there, mm-hmm. and they can start promoting the brand and some of these cars off of that history. And I think this film does that a lot. This film is probably the greatest Nissan Motorsports historical beast you could have, you know, because it's just it's 90 minutes of of every Nissan from won races, 69 right? to you know 2008, basically. I mean, it'd be great. I mean, the only fault of Nissan at this point is that they really only... I mean, you get the GTR, which is in a whole different spectrum of, of car geek. Nobody buys that that's not into serious car geek bullshit. And then you have the Z cars. Yeah. And even the Z cars are expensive for what they are. So it's just like... It's hard for them to play ball in that sports market just because they really don't... They're really not representing it all that well. And they, they got... They killed off the IDX concept because, you know, they figured no one's going to buy sports cars anymore and they're going to concentrate on an uh, electric Versa of some I, sort. I loved the IDX The IDX concept... concept now, would, I loved it in race great. trim. I didn't love the yeah. street one, but sure. I loved it in race I trim. I love both of them just on principle. But at the same time, you know, look at... Scion FRS sales are completely into shitter and Nissan's just playing to this cautious market and yet they're trying to promote this motorsports history. Where's, what's the juxtaposition in that? You know, you have this fantastic... And especially with the Super Bowl commercial recently, which was really well done. You remember that one, right? It was the spectacular, emotional dad goes out to be a race car driver and, you know, his son's watching him on TV and everything. Yeah, dad. And, um, you know, you got that message going through. Hopefully, you know, you have to build cars that um, even minutely live up to that and not just putting like a, a little paint stripe package on a Sentra. Yeah. Well, you know, Nissan saw the film. I I think they all really like the film and they've they've stepped up quite a bit recently and and we love being partners with them on this film. You know, anybody that stepped up, we we love working with them. I yeah, tell you, Sparco and- is another one by the way. Sparco we've had a relationship with for a long time. All of the race cars in Corolla's garage, the cars that I drive, the cars that he drives. Sparco's been great in supporting us with every one of those cars. And Sparkle was the first company I called. They said, we're doing this film. We'd love to get you guys involved. Do you want to get on board? And without hesitation, they were the first one to say yes. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, they've got serious, serious motorsport pedigree in that company. Yes, they do. But <laughs> the guys at Sparkle USA, I love them. But Sparkle Italy, like puts these handcuffs on them financially on what they can do. They just don't yeah. have much room to do anything. Um, but uh, this one this one really worked out. So Well, that and they don't I, – I don't know. I, do they get the big OEM contracts like Ricardo's or – No. They don't. And I think that's the big differentiator now is that Ricardo's gotten so entrenched in doing the OEM stuff that they kind of get, you know, free in a sort of way marketing around it. And, they, yeah. you know, almost every car that's got the Ricardo seats built in it, it's a little Recaro badge, so everybody knows that. Brand. Yeah, but it's not just Recaro anymore. Like Recaro has stepped up recently, and they they've been doing a lot of the Ford products, which I like. Yeah, uh, I've got Recaros in uh, and, in my Fiesta, and that's the thing is, is Recaro's trying to say, look, you don't have to have a one hundred eighty thousand dollar car, you know, to get Recaro seats because mm-hmm. not all of their seats are five thousand dollars a piece. Right. But the other brand that you see. I believe is Sawbelt, and you see them That's in, in the Dodge Viper, isn't in, it? Uh, in Ferrari, and I think it's in the in the Dodge Viper. Yeah. But Sawbelt is owned by Brembo. Oh, I did know. I yeah. didn't know they were part of the Brembo group. Yes. And Brembo has been killing it. Brembo is like a billion years. dollar company now. Yeah, I so remember like when. Massive. I, do you remember when, like, you know, Brembo? You just see them on like really high end builds and in, in, in race cars. Yeah. And that was it. And now it's just like. Okay, so that Magnum's got a uh, that you know that Brembo Magnum breaks. that's ten years old has a set of uh, Brembos on it. And- I got I got Brembos on my Moto Guzzi. So yeah, but here's here's the cool thing about it is because Brembo just just went into the OEM market like full bore. Now it's it's the term like that's the term for upgraded brakes on an OE car. Yeah, it's Brembo's. like they are. The I got stock brakes, so I got Brembos. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. They're the Q-tip. They're the Kleenex. Like that's the quality brand of it. You know, it's like I just got Brembos. I remember when I was still buying parts for my Miata. Um, there was a rumor that you know you you buy rotors from Napa for twenty five bucks a pop, but apparently Brembo manufactures those rotors and sells them to Napa. That's the rumor. Okay. So. <laughs> well, I don't. Well, I could just tell people I got Brembos on my Miata. <laughs> you could. There you go. No one's gonna believe you. Nope. No one's gonna believe you. <laughs> no one's gonna believe you. Because everyone's running around on Willwoods. That's another brand. Yeah, there. look, I, yeah. I like Willwood brakes. I like StopTech. I think that's a great uh, racing brake. StopTech makes some nice stuff. But is StopTech, you know, a billion dollar OE manufacturer? Nope. No, no yeah, but they actually do the interesting. They do a lot of design work and testing stuff for the OEs. It's, so does Brembo. As a matter yeah. of fact, I think on the new Corvettes, the C7, um, maybe the Z06 as well. I, I assume it's a very, very similar. Um, I think that whole corner, the whole front corner, meaning the control yep. arms, the shock, the spring, that's all that whole piece was engineered and built at Brembo and sent over. Yeah, they build them in they build them in Italy and they send them to they send them to Kentucky. Yeah. That's it's I know. didn't know that. I was talking to uh, the, to the CEO of Brembo and he was like, "Yeah, we make the whole corner." I was like, I didn't know you guys did that. He's like, we do now. <laughs> well, yeah. When GM comes knocking at your door going, we'd like you to supply yeah. us the we suspension want bits. What else could you do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what else you got? Yeah, that's that's kind of a big win for them. Yeah. I'm going to put Brembo's on my Mustang. Now, the question is, sweet, were they publicly traded and did somebody make out like a fucking bandit on that one? I don't know, but, I'm, but I know that Brembo and... Brembo North America is growing bigger and bigger, as is Recaro, by the way. Yeah. Recaro was like I don't I don't know the numbers, but Recaro was something like a hundred million dollar North American company. Jesus. And then it became like a seven hundred million dollar North American company. 
it just it just grew massive but but for good reasons like now your fiesta st and your focus st and your mustangs and you know so many of these mm-hmm. cars have good recaro seats in them and they're just making them more accessible and more affordable and not to mention every bus driver out here in la is sitting on a recaro seat that's yep. true <laughs> and and occasionally people on southwest airlines flights yeah they're sitting on recaro yeah. seats. okay i don't know they're if they're bragging about the ones in the southwest flights but <laughs> that's a little too high high floating for southwest yeah. Ricaro, that should be part of uh, Southwest's we got selling points. Is like, we got and Ricaro Brembo seats. And, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. We got Brembo brakes. <laughs> Brembo's largest rotors they manufacture. <laughs> <laughs> right? That would be great. See some Michelin tires out on there. So I got to say, Matt, were you at the uh, Peterson Museum this weekend? I was not. You didn't uh, make it up for our Japanese car No, cruising. I had to work this weekend. Um, unfortunately, no. But I heard it was a good show, and it had was something like 500 people over out there. Over 500 cars showed up and everything. We yeah. basically filled cars on so all many three Datsons. floors. Datsons. John- Datsons. Jonathan Ward brought an FJ40, and it was too tall to fit on any other floor, so he parked on the first floor. And, that um, sounds like Jonathan. Yeah. Um, one of our board members, Myron Vernis, bought a uh, Mazda Luce Rotary Coupe, 1970. Wow. Designed by Bertone, pillarless window coupe, the only front-wheel drive rotary they ever built, 13A rotor. <clears throat> And uh, oh no, we're gonna pause for a beer break right now. How is um, how is that uh, that Speed Hunters FRS that has that kind of retro oh, style yeah, that was with, there. with the brown and the? I saw that briefly. That you know, Cosworth built uh, built that engine, didn't they? I don't. I saw it at a show when it debuted long ago. I haven't seen it drive or anything like that. But there's a car in Adam Carolla's collection. It's the Campbell GT Pace car. Okay. That that I don't know if this was intentional or what, but the, the Speed Hunters FRS is looks like it's modeled after that. Like that's like that. Yeah, because that's that's kind of the color combination and stuff. When you see the Camel GT car, mm-hmm. it has you know it's it's a it has the wide fenders on the Z car and how it's got is, the brown stripe. How long has Adam had that car? Uh, a couple years. I think I think I know exactly the one. This is the about. this is the iconic Toyota livery where it's the uh, red, orange, yellow stripes along the side. And um, you know, I went to the Toyota Automotive Museum on Saturday after the Japanese nostalgia car rally, and I'll get into that in a second. And um, our tour guide Paul Williamson uh, told us that. Toyota was the first company to design an all-carbon fiber race car back in the early 90s. Wow, I didn't know that. a couple million dollars. I was going to say, what did that cost? fiber, right? Yeah, that must have been outrageously expensive. I'm surprised that it was... That was was IMSA GTO class, too. I'm I'm surprised that it didn't happen until the 90s. I figured that would have happened sometime in mid-80s. Might have been been late 80s, at least, but definitely around then, so... Yeah, Yeah, what does a car look like? That car? Um, imagine a super low cell, basically a Celica cockpit, but with like gigantic box flares everywhere. The Celica. Yeah, yeah. the Celica, as, <laughs> as Jeremy Clarkson says it. The, um, anyway, the cruising was a great success. And you know what? Um, I was lucky enough to ride in Myron's car. And um, the good, th- the really cool thing about him is that he's uh, he's he's pretty well off, but he browses Goonet Exchange like every other car guy out there. And the difference is, he actually buys the cars. So he bought this car sight unseen, and it was the first time he drove it on the rally. And, um, and then the next day, he came over to the Peterson and showed it off. Mazda brought every generation uh, me out of there, including the new Club Edition. Club Edition comes with a pretty some pretty cool stuff. Although I gotta say, I think it's a little bit expensive. Uh, wow, what's the price on it? Thirty two. 
32? Uh, you get, yeah. let's see, you get Bilstein's, you get the LSD, you get it lowered, you get BBS wheels. You know, it's a re- really good kit. I mean, it's for 32, it's not the fastest thing in the world. Uh, but all cars the, are expensive these yeah, days. Yeah, that's true. That is you know, I mean, that's not that's not bad at all. 24 what is. is what the Miata starts at, which, you know, you can still tolerate, I suppose. You know, the, it's the yeah. FRS territory right It's there. only an $8,000 swing. I mean, it's not right. that bad from base to max out like that. My 93 Cobra was like 20 grand, right? Yeah. And what's a Mustang GT now with leather and some options? Forty grand. Probably, yeah, I think yeah. you could probably actually get into one for probably like thirty-five. Does the Mustang still start at twenty-six or so? Not a GT though. Not a GT, but just in general. Uh, probably right. You know, maybe like the six-cylinder. Not that you. Yeah, the six-cylinder. Yeah, definitely. the planes. Yeah, like the, the rental car. The yeah, rent, yeah, exactly. The yeah. tourist special. Speaking of the rental cars, uh, did you get you guys see the 2016 Camaro stuff? <laughs> yeah, I like I, it. I, I, I really say, like it. I wouldn't go from rental car to that. That wouldn't have been oh, the transition. Yeah, I rental used, cars. But, uh, you might well, rent this car. In the future. I was going to say. Well, they did exactly what I figured they were going to do. Yeah, they, they did a turbo four, a turbo a six, four, and a six, and an eight. Yeah. Although they did the opposite way that Ford did it, where their turbo four is the base motor. And the six is their mid, although the six is supposed to be a brand new motor. Yeah, but th- I'm pretty sure that I read that their turbo four has a little bit more torque than their six. So it does actually. If you're going to go and modify those, yeah. that's that's the motor to get. What's the power specs on that turbo four? That's really intriguing. I, like I think the sound it's of that. 270 something horsepower. And it's a lot lighter than and the then one, right? Over in like 310 pound feet of torque, if I remember nice. correctly. That's pretty good. Um, those EcoTech motors are. Good. It's not appreciably. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. their rate is like 450 or 455, and then the car went on a diet by a couple hundred pounds. So a couple hundred is not that bad, I guess. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, but now, because the 2015 Mustang gained a little bit of weight, and the Camaro lost a little bit of weight, so now they're both like 3,500 and change. Hmm. I mean, they're within a couple huh. of cheeseburgers of each other. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be an interesting competition once – once. I mean, we're already going to see – the high-end Mustangs. We already know what's coming out as far as that goes. Uh, let's see what they're going to do with the Z28. Because Look, the last I, Z28 was super impressive. I, yeah. I mean, I, I I like that the you know that the new Camaro is doing what it's doing. I just like the idea that you know in a world of of Leafs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can still buy some that kind of you can buy a cool muscle car on the canyons. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, this is just me, but I really don't know how many people. You know, still cross shop Camaro and Mustang. I think there's a lot of fans out there. I mean, more now than there used to be. Yeah. But to me, it's kind of like the Mac versus if, PC if world. Not- it's like I use a Mac and I'm a Mustang guy, or I'm a PC guy and I'm a Camaro guy. Like, you know, it's you know. If it's you're kind not of- getting into muscle cars, though, like if you're like me, where you're just like, oh, Cyan FRS or Miata or something like that, and you're going into Camaro versus Mustang, it's really gratifying to know that they both don't suck as much anymore. Or to, you know, and um, it's really it really is. I would be cross shopping a Camaro and Mustang. And I really like the new Camaro. I really like. I've always liked the way it looked. I really like the new interior. And I was able to drive one with the Z, uh, with the Z twenty eight suspension at SEMA, which is their new, uh, you know, aftermarket yeah. option from the factory, essentially. And if they can develop that suspension into new one as an aftermarket kit, that would be amazing. Does this new Camaro have that giant A pillar that you can't see through? Uh, it's it seems to be a bit smaller. Um, I any know, any bit smaller would be welcome. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where you're not really going to be able to tell until you sit in it, but it did look a bit smaller. Yeah. I'm guessing they probably just changed to a higher strength steel and, you know, hope hope to chop it down a little hope bit. Hope for the best when you flip over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's the thing is that our flip over, you know, our rollover protection now is like crazy, crazy high. I mean, you've actually got to like try to kill yourself in a car at this point. I was just at an event where they unveiled the new 
7 Series BMW. Mm-hmm. It's uh, You guys have probably done this before. It's one of these events where they're like, we want you to see the car and kind of talk about the car. But it's unveiled so early that we walked in and they confiscated all of our electronics. And then before we walked in, the dude took that magic wand, radar, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the metal detector, and scanned everything. And and I was like, in well, case somebody taped a camera to their back, <laughs> just like I don't, he's wearing a wire. Yeah, it's like what, I don't know what's going on now. I think I think that's maybe just there to make the other BMW guys feel good or something like they're getting a super secret. But that it's car is the lifestyle journey. That car is cool, and we're talking about the A pillar and. On the new 7 Series, it's a combination of aluminum, carbon fiber, and steel. Yeah. And the A-pillar, to keep it thin and lighter weight toward the top of the car, it's it has, like, carbon fiber A-pillars, carbon fiber reinforced nice. A-pillars. Cool. Yeah, I saw that BMW was going to be moving in that kind of construction. And it makes yeah, and a lot of sense. they have the i3, yeah. And the i3 and the i8, they're yeah. both, like, carbon fiber tub. I, I'm seeing i3s everywhere now. Me too. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. I bet there's some good lease deals on that thing. I, have you dri- I haven't driven it. Have you guys driven one? I no, but it. our good friend Jeff Jablanski got, got uh, slid off the snow in one uh, in over in January. He was I, driving up from New York City, and he skidded off the highway because that thing's got bicycle tires on it. That sounds fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think you're saying that the new 7 Series has aluminum und steel. Mm-hmm. That's a nod to David G. Johnson out there, if he's listening, which he probably is not because he's too cool to car and driver. But, so so. Here's, here's a new feature that I love for, yeah. for the 7 Series. Cruise control. That's not new. Cruise control specifically designed for low speed when you're sitting in traffic. It's cruise oh, control, creeper control that inches forward for uh, you. I'm going to call it creeper Audi control from yes. now on. Yes, well, although that, there's that, some right? weird... Like, creeper is also like... Well, yeah, you know. but that's, uh, that's, that's part of the fun of it. Yeah, it's like, how you, how you doing? Well, that's kind of like a good portion of the guys that lean out <laughs> yeah. the window with their, you know... Yeah, I like the idea of this, you know, this cruise control that's in low speed traffic. So now texting is easy. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> we've just enabled people to text more in their cars. Christ. Um, For the record, texting is bad. Don't, don't text. Don't and drive. do it. No. Don't. The life you save, save could be my own. Could uh, because because he's on a motorcycle. That's true. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. ride home today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I almost got run over by somebody when I was out on my bike earlier today. Not motorcycle. Bicycle. Actual bicycle. Right. Bicycle that was texting. Went to turn. Went to turn. Didn't use their turn signal, and I was in the bike lane. So. Yeah, texters. Fuck you. Stay did you off flip them the off their fucking retard? Uh, yes, I did. I'm sure God I sounded... Goddamn right. Yeah. I'm sure I sounded like a screaming mass hole, yeah, but right. I don't care. <laughs> um, but, uh... The yeah. new 7 Series is going to be a pimp, dude. That's a total CEO mobile. That car does everything. Well, they oh, had to do it because that the new S-Class is just so fucking good. Yeah. I got a um, beef with Mercedes, man. Like, I, I, I like Mercedes, but... The last, like, two years, we've been asking them, was like, dude, can, will you send us a car? You know, we'd love to test it. And they're like, yeah, we don't have that available right now. And then they never come back be like, oh, you know, let's do it in June or let's do it in August. They just never do it. Like, they just, I don't know why, they just don't. Do you ever play the game with them of, just send me whatever's around? No. 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 Then you end up in a CLA 250. And that's a problem. I, just, I don't, you know, like... The, the, the fleet manager that used to be there, mm-hmm. she was awesome. 
and and we did so much for for them and they hooked us up we did all kinds of stuff uh with them for the for even for the car show back in the day oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we put the sls in the intro of that car um, i remember that oh, man, yeah. this is and, very inside uh, baseball right here <laughs> and and all kinds of stuff and it was a great relationship and uh did all their interviews at the you know the auto shows and stuff like that it was great and then they got a new person in there and she just i don't you know we we worked with her once or twice drove a she car interviewed around, her people the, the thing is is if she had just said, you know, whatever, your show doesn't fit our brand, I was like, okay. I'm like, that's weird, but okay. Well, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> but, a thing. I'm neck deep in the podcast stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, everybody here hears my freaking shout engine commercial all the time. It, But it's, it, it's funny because you get all these brands that don't see it as a legitimate, you know, avenue you know, for, for marketing at this point. And it's absolutely silly because you're going to get your most – targeted marketing your most dedicated audience on the podcast stuff and it would make so much sense for you know mercedes to give you a car for a week because they're gonna get a lot of coverage out of it plus you guys are shooting video too on the podcast yeah we do but it, it, i guess i'm just thinking like what did i do to make them mad or something like i don't i don't know I'm why it's probably just somebody that doesn't see the value of online stuff you know it's probably somebody that's just like eh, if it's not motor trend or no because uh because they give the car to everyone else. Oh well, then maybe you did piss them <laughs> off. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is, and I don't because I don't think I know them all that well. I just can't figure it out what it is. But uh, you know, look, I mean, I'd, I'd love to get back in with with Mercedes, but um, but I just stopped asking. I just yeah, I just stopped asking. Well, you know, it's that's you know what we were saying about Porsche earlier. It's the same way with them, and I have I have some very good friends at Porsche, and they're just like, yeah, it's just they don't really yeah. deal with the West Coast. You know, Porsche's actually always been very, very good to us. They've they've always come through with us, but they made some changes with their fleet out here, and their cars are going to be much more scarce. Yeah, I mean, and it's that one with Porsche. It's like not a slight towards anybody. It's just how they manage it. You know, they're much, much more generous with their cars on the East Coast and in Europe. All right, this is the conversation that will apply to I think three percent of our audience right here. I think. I think. <laughs> well, I'm just the, saying this is why you're not going to see uh, Mercedes or Porsches on any of our shows. Anytime right, right, a local representative. That's what I say. Actually, Matt, I wanted to ask you. You know, you've been a uh, uh, just how long have you been doing CarCast? Um, this coming, it's coming up soon in June, six years. That's great. How did you get hooked up with Adam Carolla in the first place? I hit him with my car. No, that's, that's awesome. not true. Oh, Pulp uh, Fiction stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Did I was you, thinking more like Back to the Future, you know, like <laughs> were you just in Calvin line, Klein hit him with you, the car. Were you just in line at like the grocery store and like, you know, muttering to yourself about hanging the door or something and then Adam had to butt in and be like, well, you got to do it this way. <laughs> I wish it was that way. Um, you know, I, I, I come from an internet background. As Chris knows, we've had those conversations before. I ran a web development firm for, for a long time and, uh, I was, I was working with a tech company and one of the, one of the VPs there, um, that I worked with for many years grew up with Adam and work with him on, on starting the podcast stuff. And, uh, you know, I knew he was a car guy. He knew I was a car guy. And, you know, we had gone to the track a few times. And, uh, when, uh, when Adam started CarCast, um, you know, this friend of mine and, and friend Adams, this mutual friend just, uh, asked me to come in and start, you know, just trying to help out and produce a show, which I was like, sure. Sounds like fun. And then, uh, and then a few years into it, I, you know, took over as co-host. Well, yeah. 
It's uh, it's good job with that, by the way. You know, things. Thanks. You know, Adam got busy, and you really stepped in and ran with the show. I mean, it's it's it was pretty seamless, man. I well, thank you. I tell you, you know, a lot of credit goes to our producer Chris. Chris Loxamana is yeah, a fucking rock star. Yeah, he's a good guy. You know, he like he's he's stepped up recently as as our main producer. And and if you haven't seen it already, you know, new logo, new website, you know, heavy push on social media, and and since he's taken over, he's been doing such a great job. And and uh, and you know, I love my old producer as well. It just it just. You know, Chris had some ideas on changing the show when he when he took over, and it seemed to work. And you know, uh, it's it's well, getting I, out there. So I, I've bullshit with him on all of like two occasions, but you can tell sometimes when so when people are kind of hungry and they want to get shit done, you know, right off the bat. And that's what that's the yeah, the feeling I got out of him was like, oh, this kid's gonna get shit done. Yeah, he does. He like uh, the whole thing. The videos that we've changed up, and we're we're continuing to change them. Video isn't our bread and butter. We're not, you know, we're not like the smoking tire. You guys over there do such a great job with your videos and stuff. That's that's not our core business. You, we actually like we're like you, you guys are like the yin to our yang. Where we we're more video, and then the podcast. Well, it's a big thing to us. It is not our main focus. Whereas you guys yeah. are podcast and then the video is secondary yeah like the the videos we basically just do as bonuses to everything like there's no strategy to monetize them there's no real like there's nothing really there they're just but it's just another avenue to gain audiences well and feed each other to you know the other format isn't it maybe for us it's more like for the people that do care we just try to add a little bit of a visual component to CarCast because it's a car show and you want to be able to see, see cars and hear those. Right. But the people that watch the videos is like 10% of our audience that listens to the podcast. You know, we, we are, you know, Corolla Digital is a podcast business. Right. You know, and all of the shows he does there, um, they're all massive, you know. And, you know, for us, the videos are just, you know, something fun for us that we hope a handful of, of people it's enjoy. Ni- it's, it's nice because like, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't listen to the show all the time because I'm producing this stuff and running three businesses. So I listen to you, che- Chris. I check in every now and then. No, I but get it. It's like is, if you were a porn star, yeah. you don't like to fuck on the weekends when you're not getting paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I don't listen to podcasts on a regular you, you basis. I listen when you're doing a podcast there, on a regular There are There is stuff that I listen to on a regular basis, but it's so far removed from this world. Yeah. Like, I'll just put on, like, hard, you know, hard work with Nerdist in the background just to hear these interviews and stuff, or Marin, just because it's so outside of what the kind of crap that we get into that it's nice and i keep it on in the background it's like having the radio going but you gotta yeah. say you can get influences out of stuff that's outside your so-called wheelhouse oh yeah absolutely yeah. you want you want to you know have a little diversity in the things that you're chris is gonna start putting to. all of his podcast equipment in his garage and park the corvette on the street now yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what i'm gonna do well we're no i'm gonna record well, this from chris's garage. this podcast started in my house that's true yeah and i remember busting my ass all the way down there actually when i lived closer a lot closer to where i do now so yeah it's um yeah you guys been doing this for a while we have uh universe is now two years tst is like three and a half um tsc is a video show is older uh, yeah, TST like the is podcast a, came yeah. after, right? Probably been around for five years, and then the podcast was three years, right? TST. Yeah, yeah, uh, like and that. then of course they had um, they were doing Garage Four Nineteen out of New York before they came out to do uh, TST. Yeah, so um, so yeah, it's been it's been we've been we've all been at this for a while. I mean, Drive Channel at this point is like 
three years, three plus years old. I and think? congratulations on your NBC deal. Well, that's not my deal, but yes, the the, the guys work their ass off. On Here, that. Here's the thing: is is you're somehow involved behind the scenes on all of the TST stuff, and you're not getting any credit for it. So, congratulations <laughs> on your NBC deal and all the TST Chris stuff you made do. It happen, people. <laughs> I, I will say there were a few episodes that I did have to get online, and they do borrow a couple of bandwidth every now and then at my house from the fiber. But uh, yeah, it's um, there's a lot going on, and you know. As you well know, there's a lot going on, and it doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot of money coming in, but it's an investment in the future. Yeah. There you go. There's there's not a lot of money coming in. I don't know why we do this shit. <laughs> it's fun. It is it's fun. fun. It's it really is fun, fun to do, yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, now, you know, a lot of people, you know, this is a question I really got to start asking our guests more often. Um, a lot of people can point to, like, this one singular event that started them off this lifetime of being in love with cars. Do you have an event like that? Well... I mean, I got I got started very early. You know, I I have a I have two brothers, and my older brother, who's two years older, was was into cars. My dad was kind of into cars when I was when when we were kids, and and those two would would mess around on cars a lot. I remember an early Fiat, early Alfa Romeo Spider. Italian background, little uh, little two liter overhead cam engines that okay. that we'd mess around with. So as a kid, it started from there, and I just liked the mechanical aspect of it. You know, some of those kids, I just like to take shit apart. Messing around with speak of fuel injection. Right. Just your, everything. Like, it was greasy Legos for you. Yeah, that's basically what it was, right? And and then that evolved to, like, before I had a license to drive, you know, we, you know, I some we'd go to a friend's house and be like, anything we can take apart and try to make faster. You know, so we, we took a riding lawnmower and we took it out. We took the governor out. We took this little tiny intake it had, <laughs> started Dremel tooling it, started porting the intake. You ported on a, and polished the intake uh, on, 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 a, on a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and. Was this before they it, invented lawnmower racing? Before there was a sanctioned series for this? I, I, I mean, I'm sure it was around. We just weren't aware of it, aware of it. And, uh, and then we just got, you know, and then we're like, oh, we got to drop some weight. And then we're like, then it wasn't a lawnmower anymore. Yeah. You know, it was just, just like, essentially like a the rotor or the shield work. were off yeah. of it. But then, you know, all of a sudden we're doing wheelies down the street in this riding lawnmower because <laughs> it was hauling ass and it was fun. And then. So it's got those fat rear wheels on the back. Yeah. Right? And then we're like, attraction. you know what we need is a, is a car, you know, we need like an actual <laughs> car. So we got into, you know, into the car side of things. And then from there, like, Back in the day when I was in high school, and I'm, I'm much older than you guys, but when I was in high school, it wasn't like I wasn't going to spend six hundred dollars on a cell phone like we would today on an iPhone. Yeah. So and there was no eBay. But they were so six hundred dollars, like, like those big old brick mortar. No, they didn't exist. They you know, My uncle had a phone that was in a briefcase in the trunk of his car, so he needed to make a car a call. He'd have to pull over, yeah. open the you know, open oh, that, the or you'd have the permanent install with the with the yeah. dialer and everything like. That on the came bracket very, to the yeah. right side of the console. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so we got in the car, so we were, you know, we were, you know, we were working a couple of jobs, a couple of shitty jobs, and, yeah. and uh, I, I worked at Pet Boys, and then I worked the parts counter at Pet Boys, and I worked there because I can get some discounts on car parts, mm-hmm. and then also it's a great learning experience for car parts, and I did that, and then, um, you know, and then people would come in, you know, I just, I would just trade parts, I'd be like, you know, what, you know, 
I'll buy a set of used cylinder heads, and or I'll buy a nitrous kit, you know, and I'll put it on my on my Mustang, on my Fox mm-hmm. body Mustang. And, and of course, uh, and you, kind get of first, there. you get first grabs because you're the guy at the counter. And yeah, you see I'm the guy at the in. counter. You're like, yeah. So you know, I think more more business at the parts counter was me making deals with like, hey, you want to sell that? Like, what do you you know what do you got? Do you want to sell it? Why don't you call me later? You know, do a and, little uh, flipping of a few parts. You like, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah, turn them over. Yeah. Listen, two and those spoon motors going to run a big premium two weeks before race wars, right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty yeah. much. And then, and then there's this learning experience. Like we we broke a lot of cars because we didn't know what we yeah, were tell doing me about it. You know, we, we just <laughs> I, I I know you've had some uh, some unfortunate luck with Miatas recently. Yeah, yeah. I'm done with that shit. <laughs> You're done with that shit. No, it's honestly it's it's pretty it's a pretty great feeling when you can look at that thing and be like, oh, I got to get rid of that hunk of piece of shit. Because you know, um, a friend of mine emailed me today and he he writes, I was car shopping with a friend who's started listening to the Hooniverse, and he he thinks you have a lot of mental issues hooked up with your Miata. And I was like, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I've been diagnosed across the internet. Oh, that's great. If they're going to diagnose you over the Miata, I'd love to hear what they're saying about Jeff and I. It's an ex-girlfriend of yours you can't get rid of. Oh, and she's insane. She is insane, and she just keeps barfing all over the carpet. That's right, and stealing your money. Yeah. You got a Class 9 clinger? Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, so I, I started young and been into it ever since. You were basically born into it. Yeah, I didn't really have a choice between my dad and my older brother. Yeah. I didn't have a choice. It's, my little brother didn't really. He never really got into it like we. we it's did, funny but. because I'm an only child, so I didn't have a sibling to like you know live you know influence me and all that. But uh, my dad wasn't into cars, and I just happened to get into cars somehow. Naturally evolved into it. I can't remember a point when I wasn't... Just lucky, I guess. Yeah. I remember when I was... Uh, I was talking to a friend about this, because he, he has a Jeep Cherokee, and he's trying to buy off-road lights for it. And um, I was like, you gotta get KC Daylighters, because when I was a kid, I had a, I had a Toyota RC car with KC Daylighters, a little KC's yellow... were the jam. With Best little, marketing little ever. With so, little smiley face yeah. looking uh, yeah. covers and everything. I had that as a kid, and I'm like, I want an off-road truck just so I can put those on there i know i put those on my miata that would have been sweet (laughs) yeah you should there's a guy we're over the rolex historics the guy's running around in a mini cooper with like eight oh yeah just round lights lights i love cars with rally lights what's funny though is i'm like you're at the rolex historics you're running a little mini cooper you all those lights, like you just added probably like sixty pounds of weight to the front end of your car, it's which like, is like a third of the weight of the car. That's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't like you know he was out there in a big you know like decon Monza and it's a big car and it's tons of power. Like he just he just added a lot of weight. He's really nose heavy, doesn't it? No, yeah. he's trying to get traction on the front wheels there. Yeah. And he turns in. The Although car- the lights are intimidating because they're all on, and when it comes up behind you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Patty, I, Patty got, Hopkirk did pretty well with those, right? <laughs> I've got a little bit of that effect going on in the uh, in the Fiesta now because I had um, this company out in Orange County called Mod Bargains, um, and they and you know them with uh, I got to give them a little plug. Uh, Diode Dynamics went and replaced my full headlight and fog light assembly on there. It is like the spotlight of the gods now. Yeah, now it put is, one of those thin LED bars on the roof. Oh yeah, that's I like know a guy, daylight. I know a guy that's. There's a couple of guys that do rally stuff with the Fiestas, and that's what they do. There's one that's actually he's actually got it modded so it sits in the grill so you can't even see it. Yeah, that's really it's, cool. It's it's a nice setup. Of course, his other cars, his daily is a GT3 RS. You know, okay, does yeah, that doesn't suck. On the front? Yeah, yeah. Does he put LEDs in that too? Uh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I mean, the way this guy hacks stuff up, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Okay. That Fiesta ST is a little badass little car, by the way. Yeah, I've been having my fun with it. I I beat the piss out of it. It I sounded really good know. when you pulled up. 
Yeah, it's a uh, magnetfold through that exhaust on there, and it's a nice little setup. It's uh, yeah. Actually, I didn't mean to do like the, the <laughs> no. The I said it the way I set it up for that plug. Right. Yeah, yeah, the way I set go. it up. Yeah, it was this episode um, sponsored by Magnaflow. That's right. Yeah, yeah, this isn't my first. Get your podcast. own damn exhaust, yeah, exactly. Magnaflow. <laughs> well, I gotta give them credit. They threw some stuff at me. Um, but uh, yeah, I really like that exhaust. Like some of the little four cylinders, like especially with that being a one six, they can get that kind of like zingy sound to they them. They get too high pitched and whiny, and they're annoying. Which is what I like about that. Is it's not it's got like a deep that. note for it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that sounds really good. Makes it sound it doesn't like sound you got icy. At least an extra cylinder. I know. At, le- at least two, maybe two maybe, liters. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe right? you got two liters and five cylinders. I don't even know. But you definitely got a little more displacement. What's that? A little like? more. <laughs> Oh man, we gotta get you a new car, man. You know what? I've been looking. I'm looking at a car tomorrow at noon. What are you looking at? Uh, this guy lives down the street from the Peterson, so he's gonna meet me right in front of the Peterson. It is a 1987. That's, That's a bad sign, isn't it? No, it's not Datsun. Um, because <laughs> they didn't sell Datsuns in 1987. Come on, you should know this. Yeah, they- come on. Um, no, it's um, it is a Mercedes Benz 190 2.6. So by the time this episode airs, it will have either been I will have either bought it. Or it will have been a piece of shit. Wait, and does that have the dog leg in it? No, it's an automatic. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a 2.6, so it's a straight six, um, I think 180 horsepower or something like that, maybe 170. Um, I drove a four-cylinder 190, and it was not a great driving experience. So maybe, I'm hoping the inline six will be a lot smoother and actual usable power in there and everything. That's the one thing I will say. You know, Mercedes, especially modern ones, once they get to be a few years old, they have the problems. Old ones with that straight six, that straight six is almost This is a 190. Those are taxis. Yeah. yeah. Those are German taxis. And, you know, this one's pretty clean and everything. The guy is asking for basically no money for it, essentially. It's really cheap. Um, it's a good and, thing uh, the show yeah. doesn't air until after you try to buy it tomorrow. Yeah, right? <laughs> Seriously. The guy's like, what the hell? I'm underbidding? What the hell? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. And hopefully after I buy it, maybe he will be listening to this podcast. <laughs> and I can tell him about all the problems I'll be having with his car. That's right. Oh, you got no, screwed. No. But you just said you're getting it for free, basically. Not not, not free, but definitely way cheaper than I would have expected. Okay. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. It's got pretty low miles for an old Benz. 134,000 miles. 150,000 miles on it, I think he estimates on, on it. I got more miles on me. Yeah. On you? Yeah. yeah. Way more. Way more. You've it sounds like fun. Road, good luck Matt. with it. Yeah. Sounds good. Matt, what do you have in your garage besides the Cobra? Um, you know, I'm, I, I didn't have the space, right? So I'm trying to get with some buddies now. We're like, let's just get, let's just get some warehouse space. We gotta have a conversation after this. <laughs> I can't yeah. say anything more about it on here, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, I think I gotta get in this conversation too. Yeah. So I I picked up from a friend of mine. Uh, he had a 2001 Volkswagen Jetta Wolfsburg with a with a manual transmission. I nice. forgot you had that. Yeah, cool. Are you and, pledging tri doubt? And uh, I was just gonna say it's like a sorority <laughs> girl dream car. It's like a white Volkswagen. I haven't driven it in a couple <laughs> oh, of months. Like it just sits in front of the house because I've just been driving other cars recently. And then, uh, and I'm going to be building the Mustang. I'm thinking about. I'm kind of digging the new, the 2015 Mustang. It looks um, good. Yeah, I've, I've uh, seen those everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I've only driven. I've only driven the EcoBoost, and it was with the automatic. Unfortunately, I drove. I drove the five liter with a stick. Yeah. And and being such a Mustang guy, and and you know, have owned or driven, you know, my 
from the early Fox body. You know, I had a 65 Mustang and a Fox out of 93 Cobra. Yeah, yeah. The Mach 1 back in the day, the 2003 Cobras, you know, the 04 Cobras. All of them have driven. This new one I kind of dig. You know, I kind of dig it. I throw a supercharger on it, so I might pick up one of those. Um, We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. there's nothing wrong with it. I but mean, it, I'll probably sell the Jetta, though. Well, yeah. I mean, By sell, point, I mean give it away to somebody. How much are you asking for it? <laughs> I'm not asking anything for it right now. Um, I'll buy you a pack of beer and you give me the Jetta. It's, you know, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> it needs tires. And I it needs shocks, but I have the shocks. i just been too lazy to put them on. Okay. And then uh, there's a slight vacuum leak in a hose. I just haven't figured out which hose it is. Vacuum leak? Oh, already getting that's, that's, right right that's, right that's right up your alley. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so it needs tires. The shocks I have and new shock mounts. It's got a new. Here's the thing: is with those cars, this has been done. So here's okay. the lifesaver for you: is right. two things. One, timing belts are done. Great. Yeah. Two, the water pumps on those cars have a plastic impeller, mm-hmm. and they get frail and they shatter. I've already done the water pump, and the replacement I have has a metal impeller on nice. it. Nice. Question is. Do you have the mildew problem under the dashboard so the car smells like crayons? No. Oh, it always smells like crayons, but it's That's not the of mildew. The glue. That's because of it, the glue yeah. they use to bolt in the it's, uh, it's, door panels. It's the soft touch. It's the soft touch spray coating that goes on. This is what I've read, at least, is on on some of the door panels and on the dash. It's it's almost like uh, what's with Plasti Dip, you know, like that rubbery yeah, kind of coat. Right. So it's a paint that they use, and you can see it because it always wears away. That there's some kind of chemical reaction. I've yes, actually, my car smells like crayons. I actually really I've, like that smell. I fixed this a few times. It absolutely is too. It 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 builds up under the dash, uh, condensation, everything from the HVAC system gets up under there, and there's a filter there, and it gets all mildewy. So and that's the filter that gets mildewy. That's basically an in cabin air filter that you can just swap out, right? Yeah, it's basically an in cabin air filter that's there to slowly poison you. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, you just it's hit super it with some easy. Osium, it's right? super easy to fix. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. There you go. All right. Now, now, yeah. Now you can buy that car. Dude, right, that car is only it's a it's an old one. It's only got a hundred thousand miles on it. That's not bad. Yeah. Do all the windows still work? Everything works. Really? Yeah. yeah that's rare for Volkswagen. Uh, one of the the passenger window stopped working a few months ago, and I just I just bought the whole new unit. Yeah. And. Uh, and then my guy over at the Corolla's garage was like, you owe me a favor, buddy? He's like, you're right, I do. And he installed it for me. I went in to do a podcast, That's came back perfect. out, and it was fixed. <laughs> awesome. Regulator installed, because regulator installs are a pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, you could buy like that whole metal frame yeah. with, with the wires, because that that has a regulator and has these wires that spring up. It's almost it's it's looped around almost like the belt on your car. Yeah. You know, like a serpentine belt and there's all these wires on these pulleys that lift the so you can buy the whole frame with the wired up and everything. And you just pop it out and you pop a new one in, put the door back together and it's done. I haven't had to do a window motor or anything like that in years and I really, really hope I don't ever have to do it again because there's nothing worse than having your arm inside the door panel, cutting it on the sheet metal yeah. as you fumble around trying to get bolts yeah. through or whatever. That's it's, why I had uh, the blood adds there. value. It does. <laughs> but look, the car runs great. It's nice. clean. And, uh, is it a 1.8T motor? Yeah. Nice. I think yeah. Blake has, has a car. Yeah. yeah that actually, it would be a good car to run around. And then I can finally be a Gamify Beta girl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, look, you can tint the windows if you want and pretend you're not a sorority girl. I'll just wear girl. a ski mask everywhere and just drive around bank <laughs> to drive through That's bank ATMs. That's not suspicious at yeah, all. You know. <laughs> but the nice thing is, is when you drive an unassuming car, you can drive like a complete 
dick. Perfect. Yeah, it's not like yeah. I'm buying a BMW or something like that. And everyone just expects me to drive like a dick. Just, and you know, <laughs> there was a guy in my. I was in a fraternity in college, and yeah, yeah, no one expects that from me. But there was a guy in my fraternity who had an one Jetta. Did he? He was also an asshole, but you know that's was it in O one because that might make more sense. Would it? Probably. Because you know, because then it's a new car, and you're like, oh, yeah. I just got it. It's the, it's the new jam. Like this is an O one Jetta that I picked up like a year ago. Right. Yeah. It, it broke. Like you're, you're really thinking stuff. I'm older than I look, do you? <laughs> no. I graduated college in 2010, so it was still a used car. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that precious? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> yeah, that, neither did I. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta throw in a word. I know we're probably gonna wrap things up here, but I gotta throw in a word. I was on the uh, JNC rally this weekend. Um, our good friend Ben Shu, who was on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he pitched. He mentioned this. Um, Toge, California, the first ever rally put on by Japanese nostalgic car, which is a fantastic website. You should all check it out. It's your source of all kinds of goofy JDM stuff. You know. Str- earnest appreciation for the Lexus SC400, and you know a lot of a lot of old old uh, car commercials for like the Mitsubishi Minica and everything, and then also like old Japanese cop shows from the '90s where everyone's just driving around in Nissan Leopards and drifting everywhere and shooting out the window at yachts. <laughs> it's really fun. But um, anyway, he he put on the first ever Toga California, and it was a really great event. We went to the secret. Museum with an amazing car collection that uh, the the guy who owns the collection wants to remain private, but he's got a it's everything. It's not a profitable museum, by the way. No, it's a no, secret. Exactly. Nobody knows about it. He yeah, makes it's, it's no not, money. It's there. not the Peterson Automotive Museum, which you can. <laughs> you know what? I don't know that I've ever seen a profitable museum. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peterson's at a five hundred one C nonprofit. There you go. Exactly. There you um, go. Anyway, he's got he, that, this guy has amazing collection. He's got like a, a bunch of Porsches, old Porsches. He's got a he's got I think five Volkswagen vans. And he's got a 2000 GT. Uh, he's got a you know clean 240Z, a bunch of Japanese cars, really obscure Japanese cars, Honda S600, Coupe, Honda S800. And um, we started off there, and then we drove all the way around Malibu and eventually ended up at the Toyota Automotive Museum. And I got a ride in a bunch of really cool cars. The Toyota Century. We never got them here. No one else outside of Japan got them. But that was the luxury car, right? That's the luxury car that you can only get if you're a businessman, a, a, a government employee, or in a Yakuza, or usually all three. And okay. um, Toyota would actually turn you down if you couldn't prove that you were worthy enough to own a Century. It's basically – the body style has remained more or less unchanged since the late 60s. Had a, had a V8, but then Toyota put a V12 in I was gonna it say that was, of their own design yeah. that they don't put in any other car. How many V12s did they make? That one. That's made, the only one. one. And they only but put they that made car. that car for a long time. There's a lot of them kicking around Japan. Yeah, and you can get them in America for like 11 to 15 grand. Important. Um, this one was a 75. It was obviously right-hand drive. It had, uh, let's see, it had power, not just power rear windows and a power seat in the back, but little power side windows. Like, you know how the Astro ventilation in like mm-hmm. modern car, uh, old cars, the little triangle window? This is in the back, and it was powered, which was neat. I don't think I've ever this, heard of that. Had before. this really cool paisley cloth upholstery because Japanese people do not like uh they they prefer um cloth, not leather in their uh, luxury cars. It's that it's explains grippier. the three seventy Z these days. Yeah, it, does. True. it does. <laughs> yeah. Now that does that it, also yeah. explain the overheating or No, no. <laughs> yeah. But this was this was actually one of the smoothest cars I've ever ridden. You know, I was blown away by driving an old LS four hundred. This is like an LS four hundred of nineteen seventy five. And this is a car that you couldn't get anywhere else. Okay. I also rode in that Luce Luce Rotary Coupe, 
which made a lot more sound than power, that's for sure. But uh, it's a beautiful car. It wasn't running too well that day, and it has these weird movie-style seats, movie theater-style seats. You've been to a movie theater. You've seen the red velvet velour upholstery they have in the seats there. That was basically these seats. And you sit really upright, like, you sit really upright, and you get this commanding view of everything in front of you. It's just a really cool experience. And I also rode in a 71,000-mile uh, 71, NA Mazda Miata owned by a good... Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Jacob Brown at Mazda, and uh, his clutch died <laughs> before we got to the museum. So mid-press tour, his yeah. clutch dies as he's giving people rides. No, no, no. This is, luckily, this was the last stage, but this is the newest car on the rally, and it had a clutch die on it. Wow. Actually, this is the second uh, clutch that died on the car. Someone brought a uh, 84 Supra, a Mark II Supra, which is a really cool design. It's, it just looks mean. It's got these box flares on the side and uh, pop-up headlights and everything. Um, we, we left the museum, and five minutes later, the clutch started smoking. There was white smoke coming from the hood, and it just smelled like clutch everywhere. Luckily, the owner of the car lived down the street, so he parked it at his house, and he finished the tour in a Hyundai Veloster Turbo. Which is not Japanese nor nostalgic, but it is a car, so it hits one out of those three criteria. That was a car I wanted to like so much. Everyone wanted to like that car. I don't think car. I've driven that. It's not. That's it's not, a very underwhelming car. It's it's not the type of car we put on car no, cast. Yeah. No, I bet not. But it's an interesting you, car. It's you're a good, right. Like I, if you can it get is one, a car where you're like, is that is that cool? Like, it's I'm not a, sure it's, yet. A, it's got a cool design to it. That's for damn sure. It's one of those cars that, you know, if it, like a five-year-old used one would be pretty cool to get for that price because it's going to be cheap, and it's going to be pretty reliable, and it's going to be decently Does cool. it have three doors? Three doors. It does. And I didn't realize that at first because I'd only seen the press photos from one side, and I never really – and then no. I saw it in person, and I realized it has asymmetrical doors. The driver's and side door is longer. destroyed the car for me. That, me too. That's why the, the, the RX-8 – Oh yeah, like that kind of. I was like, oh, I, I love, I love the RX Seven. Mm-hmm. RX Eight could be cool. Yeah, it's it's not. Oh, it's, it's got an extra door. Yeah, because Saturn did it first, and I was like, it's a Saturn. I mean, I I, I always <laughs> thought that if I ever had kids, I could buy an RX Eight, and you know, it's a family car. There you go. You you open those doors, and you put a you put a trout seat. You're not in gonna back. have kids. You just graduated college like a week ago. Hey, people are having kids at my age. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Only on MTV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they live in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> and they got so. seven of them. You know, they got you can't put seven kids on an RXA. But you know, if you have one kid, you you, you maybe could. Yeah. I don't know. Is, and then you you'd also go broke not just raising the kid, but also buying oil for your car. Is is the RXA a cool car? I don't remember that cool. cool car. It's, it's got cool. a good chassis. Yeah, does it, it? I will say that it it's, does handle really well, and it's actually it's a really fun car to drive it's a, in general. I haven't like followed it in the aftermarket. Is there like crazy there, high horsepower some, turbo kits? And, probably. Or, I mean, or do it's, they it's a rotary. It's a rotary, so it's the normal stuff that you'd find. There are turbo kits in there. You know, there's all kinds of stuff for that. But really, I think the best thing to do with that platform is a motor swap. Put something in it that's got a little yeah, more. One, once the motor blows inevitably, as it will, all of them will. You can put something. You can put something else. Okay. In. Well, if I'm doing that, that I'm doing like old school Paul Newman Q car. I'm putting my like my five liter Coyote engine in it, and yeah, uh, in like a Ford <laughs> Tempo or something. Yeah. Because so I pulled the engine out of my '93 Mustang, and then I was talking to Kroll. I was like, 
what should I put it in? I was like, well, what if I put it in like a 240 or, or like a 510? He's like, dude, Bob Sharp used to buy build those things all hey, the time. listen, I got a Mazda Miata with no engine. There's your <laughs> yeah. answer. You want to just do a straight they used, trade? They used to do the Monster Miatas. Right? Remember exactly. the Monster Miata? There's still that kit for it. There was, there was the five liter engine and they had Kenny Bell Supercharged on their like 400 and something horsepower. Yeah, and tub rear end with like 305 Actually, yeah. this, is very, this is very fortuitous. You're trying to get rid of a car and a motor. He's got a car that he's got a... He, no motor. That's right. You, you want, want to, to do swap, a straight up swap, trade? swap the Jetta that runs for your shitty Miata that doesn't run? Hey, all, everything that's on the Miata is not shitty. The engine is shit. So there you go. What's the Miata worth? Let's talk about this off the panel. <laughs> <laughs> let's make, the, let's I make something I, happen. I, I'm not really like a convertible guy, though. Yeah. So, it's not, so get rid of the soft top and put a hard top on it. All right. Do you have one of those? No. All right. Now, <laughs> now, it's, now it's changing. Now, yeah, now the exactly. deal's changing up exactly. a bit. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking about doing something like that. Matt, with, you still got hair. You still got yeah. hair. You could drive around in a convertible. It's fine. You don't have a bald spot. No, I don't have the space. bald spot. No. There you go. Thank God. Yeah, right? you've escaped it at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, may I may I plug my movie? Absolutely. Yeah, before we're done, that's, so that's the, uh, the the Newman film it's called uh, "Winning: The Racing Life of Paul Newman." It is available right now for digital download purchase, so you can buy it on Xbox Live, yep, Google Play, Google Play, iTunes. Amazon, and iTunes. Yep. But on May twenty second, it goes wide video on demand, so you can rent it or buy it. On most cable networks, Comcast, Time Warner Cable, DirecTV, and any digital platform, iTunes, Well, you just Xbox. covered 99% of the U.S. population with those three providers. There, there you go. go. Yeah, so you can rent it. You can buy it. May 22nd. Check out the film. You'll love it. If you're not even into racing, you'll love it. If you got a boner for Paul Newman, you'll love it. And everybody that has seen it, people have been racing forever, watched it and said... Wow, I didn't know that. They yeah. learned something new. You know what? You know, we Michael talking- Andretti walked out of the theater and he's like, I learned something new. He was in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he, he was in the movie and he's like, <laughs> I didn't know that about Paul Newman. You know what? Uh, we were talking about this before we uh, started recording, but you know what? Paul Newman really was the greatest American who ever lived. He was like he was he, like he's like a full on badass. He stayed unmarried to his wife forever. He was a gorgeous, gorgeous man. He was really good at driving. He seemed really nice by all accounts. Academy Award winning actor. He won a bunch of Academy Awards. Oh, oh, and he happened to raise a half a billion dollars for, for charity. charity. Yeah, I was right? say. And so, never took a dime of it. Yeah. He gave it all to charity. So we got to dig up some dirt on Paul Newman. You know what? I don't like his coffee. So That's right. I don't like Newman's own coffee. That's Sorry. Right. His salad dressing is good, but his popcorn sucks. So I Fair guess, enough. No. I guess we leave this off with... Go get the movie. Go watch it. Enjoy it. You you will if you like the show. You'll like it. And go buy some spaghetti sauce from with Paul Newman's face on it. That's right. Because <laughs> the this kids will the, you know the charity kids will love it. I like that thing you said about the person who designed the uh, not to give I'm not giving anything away yeah. here, but the person who designed the labels on the Paul Newman Newman's own stuff. Sam Posey's wife. That's really cool. Okay. Sam Posey's wife designed the labels for all of the. Uh, the Paul Newman salad dressing and Sam Posey says in the movie he goes I'm pretty sure that my wife is the most reproduced fine artist in the world that very might <laughs> that might be yeah so there's some there's some fun stuff in yeah, the movie take that, for sure Kincaid. listen the hardest part about making a movie about that is is how do you take a 35 year racing career and distill and, it to two hours and put it in 90 minutes and yeah you yeah, know, and, I think you did a really great job. Thank you, that. and yeah. and really the credit goes to Adam Carolla and uh, and Nate Adams, who's the and you know what and you know what I really understand what Adam's director. doing here because you know I I you got to assume he liked those cars and he liked Paul Newman's career before 
and then he just you know he started collecting those cars and he was like I really want people to know about how great I want people to share the enthusiasm that he has essentially about all yeah. the cars that he owns and everything you know if, if Gone in 60 Seconds ruined 67 Mustangs for everybody mm-hmm. you know the market and they just skyrocketed that'd be great if this Newman film just skyrocketed Nissans and the oh, Datsuns because Adam's right got a whole shitload of them he's got seven Paul Newman cars and the best thing in the world is if they all go up 10 yeah, times that's in value. why he made the movie <laughs> that's get, right that's we've all been waiting for that shoe to drop with the 240s it's gonna yeah. happen like here yeah. they're already moving so yeah. Japanese cars at auctions are starting to move yeah. and uh, there was a race car that went for like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars yeah you know i gotta get my 240z immediately yeah damn you better get cracked buddy damn right so you get a, either a jetta or a 240 i can have both you one could. of them one of them has to be reliable that's right look i the jetta works all the time all i drive right. it like once every five weeks it just fires up that's I the just, key thing is it gets used it may not get used a lot but it does get used that's I, a big I thing. start it up i take it to the car wash Look, I commute. Drive I commute for a few by, days. And I could be my motorcycle, and a Moto Guzzi has been the most reliable thing I've ever owned. And you know, you know, gotta have a car for the weekend, Moto even Guzzi if it is a Jetta. Is fun to say, Moto Guzzi. I find I find a lot of irony in the fact that the most reliable thing you've ever owned is a British a, is an Italian motorcycle. Is an Italian motorcycle built by a bunch of built by a bunch of alcoholics in a small shed on Lake Como. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go there. Oh, me too. <laughs> You know what the sad part is? I'm going to Como in August. Um, I've organized this vacation with some of my college friends, and the Moto Guzzi factory is closed beginning August all the way to December. You didn't plan that right. I did not plan any of that right. Well, that's a standard issue Italian vacation, uh, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. We're closed. Uh, I wish I was hey, Italian. We're closed. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. All right, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Hayes Data on Twitter. And, of course, if you have an idea for a podcast or you need to say something stupid and get it out to the world at large, go to Shout Engine. We'll set you up with one of the free accounts. And then if you get really popular, uh, then you can pay me a little bit and we'll get you out even more. Uh, get your I like that Shout Engine stuff. I like Thank what you. you're doing there. Good job. Thank you. It's been a lot of work and a lot of money <laughs> you can find me at the peterson museum lurking in the basement as always but i'm mostly on instagram these days bzrong same as my twitter account which i don't really tweet too much of it anymore so there you go follow and me for pictures of japanese cars and occasionally uh soup <laughs> soup okay and matt you're at motorator right yeah at motorator on uh, facebook instagram twitter at motorator and you can find the film at newmanracingfilm.com and buy some spaghetti sauce Thank you. All right. That's 104.